Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. Welcome to this week on the Grappling Rewind Podcast. On this week's show, we're going to talk about some of the uh, historical beatdowns in BJJ. Uh, we, we thought about a bunch of different ways to title this segment. Um, when beef goes wrong or when keeping it real goes wrong. But basically what Emil and I are going to do today is talk about some of the most one-sided matches in BJJ history um, with some context there. And we're going to talk about... Uh, Basically, some fun matches that were super one-sided uh, and very famous. So, as always on the show, I'm your host, Mange, with my co-host, Emil. How you doing, Emil? I'm doing great, man. Um, yeah, I'm doing real great. So, we are again on lockdown. So, we are doing the show remotely uh, here in Maryland. And so, this, this show is going to take a slight audio hit. We're going to continue to bring you content uh, under quarantine, under lockdown um, for the foreseeable future. But, you know, once this is all done, the show will go back to being you know, a better audio quality. But you get what you get right now. And I apologize for that. So, uh, you got any news, Emil? Uh, Maine, I'm sorely disappointed right now in the news. Uh... We lost our one opportunity to have a real-life Mortal Kombat. Uh, UFC Fight Island has been canceled. I'm sorry to report, but we had, we had a for a short period of time, some hope of having UFC fights on some private island that Dana got his hands on. And he was going to show us shit every single week, and we no longer had that because Disney... Cold feet. Disney ESPN were basically like, "Yeah, this is feeling kind of like a like a blood sport, like a legal fight." That's the point, man. That's the point. It made me. It made me laugh though, because I was I was reading these articles coming out last week about like UFC Fight Island, and I went, "Yo, at this point in the movie, this is when I call bullshit. Like this is like they're not gonna fucking do this. Like there's no way." And like. It was like a real thing. I was like, what world are we living in right now? That we are in a global pandemic. The world Why do you is think shut this down. wouldn't have happened? Why do you think this would not have happened, Maine? You have Dana White. I love Dana White. With Dana White. millions of dollars and a private jet. Why would this not have happened? Look at it. I of love Dana. Of course it's going to happen. Dana White, for all his faults, like, we all forget that that dude was the president of the UFC when it was still being billed as a blood sport and illegal in, like, most states. And he brought yeah. it to, like, a mainstream sport to ESPN. That dude's done a lot for all his faults. But, goddamn, I was like, this would be the crowning achievement to Dana White's, like, legacy is UFC Fight Island Corona Edition. Oh, my God. So, I'm upset about Fight Island, but we got some great posters. We got some great memes out of it. Um, again, not really grappling news, but there is... I think the technical term is fuck all else going on. Um, like, I'm getting back into video games and stuff. Like, there's nothing to do. Like, I'm super bored. It's It's been crazy. I've been watching a lot of YouTube, a lot of old fights, a lot of just, like, stuff that I didn't get a chance to go back and watch. So, we've picked the best beatdowns in BJJ to talk about this week. Uh, you got any other news, Emil? You want to you know, talk about the UFC Fight Island cancellation anymore? That's, that's it, man. So we will hopefully eventually get Khabib versus Tony uh, after it gets scheduled the sixth time. What a world we live in, Emil. All right, so let's start it off. So we got, we're going to talk about uh, six fights because I'm not so great at math. We're going to want to preview them or want to just do it open? No, we'll just go into it. I want it to be a surprise. Okay. But basically our criteria here was, as Maine talked about, like one, they had to be a beatdown. Two, they had to be high-profile beatdown. Yeah, so I'm not going to talk about, like, like my random-ass wipeout match that I got the shit beat out of me. Like, nobody cares. So these are, yeah, these are no. high-profile beatdown matches, um, and some of them have a little sprinkled-in beef in there as well for extra seasoning. So let's kick it off, Emil. What are you going to start with? Let's start off with um, a over-exuberant purple belt challenging professionals that maybe he should have thought twice about so in this particular case we're talking about uh nick the tooth who um if you're not familiar with him he's a friend of dana white's um he's written uh stuff he used to write for um vice's fight land yep um back when it was uh still up and running covering like grappling stuff and uh he recently got his black belt under the mendez brothers 
Yeah. Um, so at so the time, at the time the, of this beef, about it was about four years ago or so. About four years ago. About yeah. four years ago, he was on a show with Matt Sarah and Dana White. Dana White's looking for a fight. It was a really fun show. It was uh was on Fight Pass, I think, and it also went over to I think YouTube is eventually ended up on YouTube, and uh, Nick the Tooth uh be talking some shit. Oh, we'll talk yeah. about the Matt Sarah one. We'll talk about Matt Sarah one first. No, we'll talk about. <laughs> Joe Lozon first. All right. So, so, so Nick the Tooth makes this list twice. Uh, first for his uh, match versus Joe Lozon, and the second one versus Matt Sarah. We're going to kick it off. There's a trend here. We're going to kick it off with the, uh, with the Joe Lozon one. I mean, what was the context for this one? So uh, Nick the Tooth was hanging, hanging with Dana White, and I guess like, like this was a, there was an upcoming UFC event with Joe Lozon on it, and Nick the Tooth is maybe playfully running his mouth about Joe Lozon's like grappling credentials. And if you don't know Joe Lozon, by the way, at the time, um, a highly regarded black belt in the UFC, and he was submitted a bunch of guys. He'd been on Metamorphos. He had been on a bunch of stuff. And then if you actually well, look... You, you told me he, he wasn't a black well, belt. So, so that, that, I was going to get to that. Everyone thinks he's a black belt. I thought he was a black belt because I knew that he had a school outside of Boston. Yeah. So I just assumed he was a so black belt. Joe Lozon's been a very high-level nogi grappler for a long time, and he's been in the competitive jiu-jitsu scene off and on for a long time. He has, I think at one point... He's on the list of like some of the most UFC submissions. He has a lot yeah, of subs in the UFC. There. And yeah. at the time, he was either a purple belt or a brown belt. He actually only got recently promoted to black belt in 2019. So, yeah, but again, stuff. he's been a nogi black belt level grappler for a long time. And they're jawing back and forth a little bit. And Dana White, Mr. Moneybag, steps in. And he's like, basically, Dana's like, okay. Let's put some money behind this. You guys should grapple, and I will pay Joe or whoever $1,000 for each submission in a three-minute time period. And so they do it fully. I mean, like, they get them into the octagon. And it, at the they even pro- they, they produce it on the camera with the little, like, bars with the names and everything and the sound effects. So like, the funny thing is, at the time that they were doing this, Dana White used to do a vlog series that came out on YouTube during Fight Week. It sort of was like embedded, but it was like Dana, you're basically following Dana White for that week um, as he did a bunch of behind the scenes stuff. And if you've ever followed Joe Lozon, and Emil and I are both like spent a lot of time in the Boston area, and I've lived in Boston, you've lived in Boston, um, big fans of Joe Lozon, big Boston, big Boston guy. And he also does his own vlog series, and he's done it for years online. And so they both are running these vlogs, and you get to see um, Dana White's vlog while this is happening and Joe Lozon's vlog while this is all happening. And so it, it kind of blew up, and it became this pretty well-known what's new in beef. Right. Basically, like, so they, they start this match, and, like, like – like leading up to it, Nick was having some second thoughts. It, it seemed, and you know, finally he gets in there and he gets psyched up. And Joe just fucking opens up a whole can of whoop ass. And uh, I'm like, we'll put it this way: Joe walked away with six thousand dollars from a three-minute match. Okay, he sub he submitted Nick the Tooth six times. He flying triangled him. He standing guillotined him. He did a flying scissor takedown to inside heel hook. Then he tech mount, like he does a, a tech mount, arm bars him, flying triangles him again, and then arm bars him again. The, ar- the first sub was the arm bar off his back, like immediately. Off, in, instantly. It was, it was like, it was just like sitting into an arm bar. I, I don't know how to describe it aside from that. It's not like, Joe lifted his hips like off the mat. Like he actually sat down on the mat and pulled into so, arm bar. Aside from all the technical pieces of this match, one of the things that I love about matches like this, and kind of what I, to this week's show is sort of funny and why I like this stuff, is because th- when you watch a lot of the matches we're going to talk about, this is what happens when a either good grappler or a novice like grappler, to, to semi experienced grappler, goes up against a good grappler or a guy levels above them and it's like it sort of puts in perspective like oh oh this dude's like a good like a grappler like he knows what he's doing and the other guy oh Lozon is a professional fighter he makes his money by 
submitting other guys for money that trained specifically to fight him and not get submitted, and he still does it. And it gives some context for job. It's his job. You know, it's, it's literally. His job. And so, if you look at a lot of these guys, a lot of these matches we're going to talk about are professional grapplers versus uh, guys that grapple. And it yeah. shows like the levels to what, how good guys are at the highest level. And Lozon, who again, even at the time, technically isn't even a black belt, like crushing through a guy like Nick the Tooth four years ago. Actually, Nick the Tooth, I want to say just won Masters four worlds at black. I want to say like yeah, I, a couple. I want to say ago. he did too. Whoever yeah. Masters Worlds was, he won. He won Masters Four, Masters Five. So Nick, Nick is pretty active, um, and he competes a lot. He does Masters Worlds yeah. a lot, and in fact, like we'll talk about it later. But like he, well, I can just mention it now. He at Blue Belt won Masters whatever Worlds. Th- I looked this up because I got an argument on Reddit. Uh, Might have been my, my personal account. Um, I looked it up because one day somebody said something. I was like, that's not right. So I went through. Like, this is so if I'm a strange man and we've if you've listened to the show for enough years, you've kind of picked that up. Um, I am big on if there's a record of something and someone gets it wrong. I am big on setting the record straight for stuff. Uh, which is why I really appreciate when I get the message about shit we mess up on the show. Like, hey, it's wrong. I do really appreciate that kind of stuff. Um, you can go back through all of the IBJJF records for all their competitions going back to like 96. And you can pull the winners and the first through third place for all of those. So if someone says that they won something, you can bring the PDF document up and you can search by name and you can go and find and fact check that. Yeah. So uh, somebody got something sure wrong did. about yeah. Nick Gulo. And uh, I went and fact spent about an hour and a half fact checking it by going through manually every single competition by year to find what tournament he won. Jesus Christ, man! So I'm a slightly I've got I've got something you inside. Call that OCD, buddy. A little bit to win but, a to in, in like a fifth comment down in a Reddit thread uh, where this came up. Point is, there's levels to this shit, and you may be an active competitor, but as Maine said. When you're going against someone whose job it is to submit other people whose job it is to win, you know, it's you're, you're talking about something when money's on the line on jujitsu, it's way different than when you're like stepping into, uh, you know, a, an amateur tournament. So, so let's talk um, about the next win money's on the line. Actually, not even money's on the line. Uh, Nick the Tooth versus Matt Sarah. I think this actually happened before, no, sorry, after. The Lozon match. I feel like I think it. I think it happened after. Yeah. So um, Matt Sarah. Uh, yeah, he he's also been um, part of looking for a fight. Uh, it was a great vlog series. I remember actually. I dude. Now this was so long ago. It's that, only like four or five years ago. Yeah, but like to put it into perspective, I remember when they found. Um, God, what was that like? Blonde karate kid's name. Sage Northcott. Yeah, I remember when. When in that video they found Sage Northcutt, yeah, and they they like decided to like bring him into the and UFC. he's already had but his anyway. UFC run and he's already left his UFC run and he's already been knocked out and had his face actually you know his one fight where he got knocked out uh, he broke his face and had like an eighteen hour surgery on his oh, face yeah, because he got his yeah. face caved in yeah. Yeah, yep. like Nick, so that's Nick. how long ago it was. Like a whole career has flashed out yep. in front of us in that time, but like uh, so back, you know, I guess what I was reading was that in the the pilot they were interviewing the different guys. So Nick the Tooth was part of this, Dana White and Matt Sarah, um, and uh, I guess we might as well introduce Matt Sarah in case people don't know who Matt Sarah is. But Matt Sarah is like. Point. You know, an OG. he's former welterweight champ, fucking KO'd GSP. One of only two guys ever to beat George St. Pierre. Uh, also, by the way, everyone who's beat George St. Pierre in the UFC and ever is been named Matt. Yep. I always thought that was a little weird and um, just a very weird coincidence. He's lost twice, once to Matt Hamill, not Hamill, um, Matt Sarah and Matt Hughes. And he has yep. avenged both those losses, which is why he's the GOAT, but... Matt Sarah is very good. At the time of this, I think Matt Sarah is a fourth degree black belt. He's way up there. Matt he, Sarah has been a black so belt got, for a long time. 
since 2000, and uh, he was Henzo Gracie's first American black belt. The dude has chops. Yeah. Okay. And, and for, the, for context, by the way, for context, by the way, it's a bit and less nowadays. But back when this happened, back when Matt Sarah got his black belt from a Gracie in America, like it was, it was rare. Like it's a, it was a big deal dude no a... one had any idea what jujitsu was no. when matt started it he was one of the ogs like yes you know i don't i can't he, he talked about it once how he found out about jujitsu and then like you know i want to say there wasn't even like i think this is before there was an official gym even so matt I, I remember matt had to travel to go and get trained so that dude loves jujitsu. You know, like there are people who who truly live and breathe jujitsu, and Matt Sarah is one of them. He's yeah. amazing. I mean, he has schools. Career- I went and trained at Sarah BJJ when I was visiting Myrtle Beach. Right when I first moved to Baltimore back in like two thousand and I think sixteen. I always forget what year I moved here. Uh, Twenty sixteen, like we're on a vacation with my family. Like right the week I moved here down in Myrtle Beach, and I trained in at Sarah BJJ in Myrtle Beach, exactly. and he's got another affiliate yep. in yep. Long Island. He's got affiliates all over the place. Like Exactly. So, been a long to time. sum it up, we have former UFC champ, one of the oldest American black belts, has gyms everywhere, the dude is fucking good, and uh, I guess, like, during the interviews in Looking for a Fight, Nick was talking about how he's, like, kind of poking fun at at Matt for being like bald and fat and then was like, Oh yeah, the only thing left to settle is like the grappling. And Matt called him out afterwards. Well, and Matt, was like, Matt Yo, took what's a up little bit of offense. I think Matt Sarah oh, goes, he goes hundred percent He goes, I didn't think there was anything to settle and yeah. in, in his accent. <laughs> and then and you can tell, like I love old competitors because there's like that saying, I'm not as good as I once what what's the saying? Uh, who the fuck? I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's I can't remember. And it. when like, guys decide to like turn it on, that were once like the dude, like Matt Sarah was welterweight world champion. Okay, like he is a special dude in the first place. And so, yeah, he may be a little older. Yeah, he may be a little slower. Yeah, he may be a little out of shape. But when he wants to turn it on, like that's always gonna. He's always gonna be a special dude. I don't think he's that out of shape. The dude rolls every single yeah, fucking sorry, day. Not out of shape, and but like in context yeah. of what he used to be, as far as like sure, in shape, sure. like, he is not in yeah, he does. like fight shape in his twenties anymore. Right, he's a beefy dude. But like, as <laughs> you if you go and you watch this video, you will see how nimble he is. And even afterwards in the interview, Nick, it was like I had no idea he could move that fast. It's insane how fast Matt Sarah moves, and he is just like going ham. It it is clearly because I watched the video before I like refreshed myself with like the context, and I was like, "Damn, like Matt's really like turning it up here." And afterwards, I was like, "Oh, word! That's because someone like you know, it's it's one thing to jaw a little bit. It's a it's a completely different thing to like call someone's like." To implicitly call someone's like grappling credentials into question when they are as accomplished as someone like Matt Sarah, so you could see that edge. And dude, Matt, I, like the video is the, very the video very is a highlight, up. but you see Matt just like you know transitioning all over the place and then hitting his signature move, which is the Kimura. Yeah, that step Matt over Sarah Kimura. loves Kimura. And what I love about them is you see how like fluidly Matt moves his hips. Like from a technical perspective, again, the video is very cut up. And actually, both of these videos are fairly hard to find now uh, because Nick requested that they actually get removed and taken out. And there was a there was that. a huge section of fallout that came between oh, Dana White, Nick the Tooth, that. Matt Sarah after all of this because Nick was like, "Oh yeah, you know, we you disrespected my lineage." And it was a you can read about this, and I don't want to go too much into all of the fallout that came from this and they've everyone's given interviews dano's giving interviews matthew and a bunch of interviews nick's given interviews um and you can search this was a very dramatic topic probably three or five four years ago um yeah and I just love like the way that Matt Sarah moves in this video. If you can see it, the way that he grabs the Kimura, the way that he like, opens his hips and steps over the head, like he does that very, very 
um, like controlling Kimura from the top side where you have one like leg chalked in their ribs as you're over their face and head. So they have you have full control over the one side of the Kimura and there's no ability to lock the hands or anything. And you can turn your hips out to just basically rip the arm off. And it's yeah. a very MMA-style Kimura because they can't turn out to the bottom and they can't really get anywhere because you're controlling their topside shoulder and head. And it's, it's a way you see it done in MMA, especially in old-school MMA, and it's like a Gracie way Kimura because it controls the face. Yeah. Um, it was – it's a beautiful clinic, and uh, you can find – both of the videos, actually, all of the videos that we're talking about are online for free. Yep. Um, I think so the Nick the Tooth versus Google Joe Lozon, you can find the vlog. I think it's UFC on Fox 4. I think in the th- third or fourth video is where Dana White pays Joe Lozon. And in you actually can't find the looking the uh, Dana White vlog anymore online because it got removed. But BJJEE has a mirror of it that you can go and watch Um and take it's a look great. at it. It's, it's pretty great. Again, they're, again, we're in quarantine. Go back and watch some fun historical beatdowns that you've forgotten about. Uh, right. So this goes into talking about stepover chokes and stepover submissions. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Um, yeah. Marcelo Garcia versus Ben Askren. And now this isn't <laughs> so, really... So let's, let's pause here, man. Why, you, know, you were the one who suggested this. Why, why did you want to look at this one in particular? I love watching Ben Askren get beat. <laughs> I, I, love, I love it. Um, again, it all in fitting with the theme, though. Not just like a spitefully. I like watching Ben Askren get beat because um, Ben is supposedly a great guy, and like I don't have anything against Ben Askren. Um, I just, I yeah, I love watching him get beat for some reason. Um, but this really highlights again a world class submission grappler versus a, a extremely accomplished wrestler. And when we talk about this match, this is training footage. This is a flow roll that was between these guys, I think this is 2009 or 2008. The original video is actually from MG in action. And if you look at the player, it is the old school 2006 YouTube player that they're using at the time. And then someone has screen recorded it and basically re-uploaded it again. So we're watching a very, very old video that is, again, training footage. But most people in training don't let themselves get beat like Ben Askren got beat by Marcelo here. And so I want to talk about a couple things in this, in this kind of training footage, but also just as, again, looking at a professional high-level submission grappler versus like a really, really good grappler. Like Ben Askren is one of the best collegiate wrestlers of all time in the United States. That's for context here. He went to ADCC. He won his first match in the first round at ADCC over the, I think, Oceanic Trials winner the year he went there. Okay? The same year that Marcelo won ADCC. Like, Ben Askren's a real good grappler, and Marcelo makes him look like he is not. And so there's levels. This is one of those, there is levels to this shit. Look at this match. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, for context, this was definitely a jujitsu style trading match. So it was not like from the feet or whatever. It was like the kind of like, you know, engaging, uh, on the mat more or less already. It's, it's, it's mat wrestling. And, it's mat wrestling. Yeah. And Marcelo is just, you see him put on a clinic with guillotines, man. Just, just Repeated. amazing. Repeat. Like, not just for the submission, but for control, for sweeping, like just I, you know, it's 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 been a while since I've stopped and watched Marcelo like matches, especially slower ones where you can see what he's doing, and it is gorgeous, man. It's it's so beautiful how he keeps the control for the head, and then he's still able to move his hips around and get to optimal sweeping position and hit, he can just elevate anybody with his legs, man. There's it's a really, insane. there's a really great moment. There's a couple of really good moments in this match. Again, I play a game. I like emulate a lot of stuff that Marcelo does. I'm a really big fan of how he grapples. And I just sort of naturally gravitate towards a lot of the style of stuff he plays. So I've watched a lot of Marcelo footage. Um, I love this because the way that he elevates Ben Askren, like again, wrestlers are notorious for having extremely good hips and Askren, is known for that, especially with the funk wrestling style. Like, the dude is squirrely. And 
because he has very good hit movement. You see Ben, you see Marcelo able to control Ben Askren's head and then still able to get under him enough to basically turn Askren over a bunch of times with these butterfly sweeps while having the head control. Um, regardless of Askren being able to move his hips well. Like he's, Askren is not able to out-hip switch here for Marcelo because Marcelo is able to maintain really good hook control with his legs and continue to elevate so Askren can't get his hips away. And again, it's all these little things you see Marcelo doing in this match that kind of speaks to how good Marcelo is because you know that the, you know the skills that Askren has. You know where he's strong. And he's unable to get these things going because Marcelo is just keeping his shoulders down. He's keeping his hip up. He's keeping the pressure on the outside leg. The way that he's moving around is amazing. And then you also get to see all of these different finishing mechanics where you see Marcelo grab the nice high elbow guillotine. He adjusts his shoulder. He adjusts the arm to super high elbow. He turns Ben Askren over. He finishes in mount. You see him finish it from the guard. I mean, there's a bunch of different things. And you watch Marcelo kind of drill the sequence over and over and over. And you see Ben Askren, again, flowing and working and trying to figure it out. And it, you just watch Marcelo kind of show him a different thing, show him a different thing, show him a different thing. And it ends with, um, what's the opus magnum? What's, what's the word? Magnum opus. Magnum opus uh, of crazy submissions, which is the behind-the-back bonanza choke, um, is what this was coined. At the end of the match, at like 6 minutes and 30 into this training footage, you can see uh, Marcelo Garcia tap Ben Askren with Ben Askren's hands behind his back, controlled by Marcelo. Basically, it's sort of like a modified um, like back crucifix, but Marcelo has both of Ben Askren's arms behind his back as he is choking him. And it's, uh, it is some wild, crazy shit. That's so fucking brutal, man. I'm just looking at it now. God damn. Yeah, so he basically has both of Ben Askren's arms flared backwards and he's hooked both of them with his legs. So it's a it's a rear naked choke. Basically I the easiest way to think about it is when you're on the back, if you trap someone's arm and you use that to uh to control them, think about doing that on both arms basically and then pulling them backwards. It's excruciating. I love the setup here, too, because the setup is, is super slick as well. The way that he identifies the arm is posted out, and he just snakes it through, and then he changed the angle to get the other arm as well. Like, it's super slick. And again, it shows you how good Marcelo is. And, like, if you ever had yeah. questions, this is a really good piece of training footage to watch because it's a guy fighting another really good grappler um, from a different discipline and just working through him. Again, with the context of the match that, yeah, this is training footage. This is not like, this is not for the, all the marbles. But even in training, I'm not trying to let a guy trap both my arms and choke me from behind. So that kind of does yep. speak to, like, especially a competitor <laughs> like Ben Askren isn't probably just going to let that happen to him, especially on footage. And True. it's funny when this came out, everyone kind of forgets... Um, now there is way more footage of training than there ever was, and, and camps aren't as kind of, uh, they're not as protective. High, protective of the footage. But back when Marcelo was doing this, it was unheard of to have a high-level guy just recording rounds and putting it back. And you could find some really cool matches from Marcelo, like matches, footage from Marcelo, like him versus Andre Arlovsky and like a bunch of old school guys that just dropped into Marcelo's to get better at grappling. And it's there's footage online from basically the security cams or the mat side cameras that he was putting on MG in action. And it's really cool, especially from that era because that was not a thing that guys did back then. Yep. So, yeah. So really cool match, really, really great just beating um, that I love. Again, I love. I like watching Askren grapple for the stuff that he brings, and I like watching Marcelo because he's fucking Marcelo Garcia, and it's always a treat. So anything else on that? So no, but speaking of uh, Maine's favorite beatdowns, we got Andre Galvao versus Fake Black Belt. Um, this match, I, do, I love this match. So I love this match because I actually think it's a really good opportunity to watch a match and figure out, like, Stuff you can do and motions that are available. Because a lot of times in grappling, yeah, you tend to get, not pigeonholed, but you get used to the path that you follow. Like, I go here, I do this path, I do these things. And you get used to these, like, you get yourself into a rhythm and a groove. And watch this match because Andre Galvao just starts to move on this guy. And so, I, I hate this because there used to be a full footage of this match somewhere. And... 
Uh, it's gone now. I can't find it, but I think I saw it in the last like four or five years. I've seen the out. It's like a mat side footage, or it's or it's a, actually a crowd footage from way up top. And the version of the match that's available online now has been cut down. But you can see that it's a regular like normal black belt match, and then the guy that Andre Gavao is fighting basically in the gi goes to reap him, and almost sort of goes for a heel hook, but not quite. And at that point, Andre Gavao gets pissed. I want to say this is 2008, so reaping was still illegal, but it wasn't like the instant DQ that it is now. I think it was a warning back then. And and Andre gets pissed, and he starts, I think the technical, technical term is beating this dude's ass disrespectfully. Um, this is where this is the first match there that I ever saw. so much disrespect here. It is, oh my god. I didn't even know these things were possible. Like, as Maine said, like, this is a match to go and watch when you just need to, like, completely open your mind as to, like, what the movement options are because Andre does all of them, basically. He surfboards He's... the back. He double neon backs the guy. He does windshield wiper transitions on his back. He jumps over the guard. At one point, Andre Galval does a uh, a double, like a Toriando pass, but instead of going like around, he does a cartwheel front flip oh, over this, yeah, the this, guard. This is not a Toriando at all. There's no nothing about this is no, a Toriando. It's a front flip pass. Andre does a full front flip. Lands kind of in the mount and then goes to side control. Yeah, and, but I, but I love ridiculous. that because you can see Andre Gavao is just like he knows he's got the guy beat. He knows he's so much better than the guy, and he's just being disrespectful to him to prove a point. And he does this flip pass, and you can see he actually messes up the pass. He doesn't land in the full mount like he wanted to. He lands a little back, and his hips are back, and he's off balance. And so what he does is he slides across, and he goes into side control from it. Like, he recovers him sort of messing around into a super dominant position and a pass because he's fucking Andre Galvao, and he's that good, and he's so much better uh, than the guy he's fighting who's a fake black belt at the time. And there's a big, long history of who this guy is and what the context of this match was and, like, why. And I think the guy was technically training jiu-jitsu. Um, he eventually, I think, would go on to become a black, an actual black belt. I think it was his match was 2008, I think. Uh, the video comes around. It gets viral around then. Uh, it gets big in 2010 again. And then it, it pops up from now and again when it gets reshared. Um, but, yeah, it opens you up to the movement options here. And I love watching Andre Galois just surf on this guy's back. And at one point in the match, Andre Galois is surfing on the back. He slides off the back, and he just pushes the guy over. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't slide. Like, sliding off the back is, like, I don't know, you, it's, it's hard to describe. But, basically, he's, like, kicking his leg over this guy and, and rotating around in circles, repeatedly kicking his leg over this guy's head. It's... It's so disrespectful. It's ridiculous. And then he shoves him over like me. And, and, he shoves him over. and then the finishing sequence is great because you see Andre has had the guy's kind of like he's turtled up now. He's shelling you like he's not really going to put up offense. Um, he's just sort of going to defend. And Andre rolls him over. He gets to like uh, like a topside Kimura position. He grabs the Kimura and then he just yanks the Kimura out to the side and down and just finishes the match. Gets up. Does the thank God thing that Andre Gavao does and then walks up and gets his hand raised. And I hope that I can find actually the full footage of this match because it gives... Because the, the compilation that's put up is just like the best moments from the match. And it, it is the majority of the match. But there is footage somewhere that shows why Andre Gavao gets so pissed. Where it's like actually shows the reap happening and like it's, it's not doesn't have the, the rap song on it. Um, and I wish I can find it. I don't know where it is and I actually do want to dig it up. But... Yeah, this was, uh, if you're looking for famous ass beatings, um, it's it's on the Mount Rushmore of Jiu-Jitsu for famous ass beatings. 100%. 100% on the Mount Rushmore of Jiu-Jitsu ass beatings. Yeah. Um, but we should. Are you ready for the next one, man? Okay. So second, on. so second to last one, we have another famous one. This is so fucking famous. Like... This one is this one I believe is also on the Mount Rushmore for just the lead up to it. But we're gonna cover now Gordon versus Holic Gracie. Yeah, and this, this is at Metamora Seven. I think it was Metamora Seven. So funny enough, actually, um, this happened November of 2017. And if you are familiar with the grappling mind history, 
I don't know why you would be. Um, we were actually doing the show back then. This was the first pay-per-view that Josh and I purchased as part of the Grappling Rewind because it was a fame. It was a big card that was happening, and we were going to cover it. And it's like, okay, well, we got to cover this. So we bought the Metamorris pay-per-view and watched this card live. Um, this for- must have been the very last Metamorris, yeah, right? This was the last Metamorris, yeah. and it's it's so- really weird because. Uh, Metamorphs had kind of died a couple times oh, yeah. at this point. It it was it was it was pretty much dead at this point. It was yeah. dead in the water. Uh, the whole lead up to this was that I guess the previous two. I think I think there had been multiple where. Yeah. Uh, Hol- Holic was the one who was running Metamorphs, and fighters were complaining across the board about not getting paid. Like, oh, yeah. not just like one or two, like many many fighters um and people were furious and then the jujitsu community as a whole started getting really bad and the graces did not handle this gracefully like they started like being kind of like combative over this stuff even though like you know they were the ones who set it up and agreed to pay these people and back then especially now i mean now it's still a incredibly dick move to like not pay your fighters but back then there were like so few paying opportunities for fighters it was like especially bad and the community got really furious and as a method for atonement and also trying to raise money to pay the back uh pay back the fighters from the previous metamorphosis um alec agreed to face gordon and uh they did it in a super stripped down event. They didn't do any of the pageantry that the other ones had. This was like in a gym. This is a torrent. Like... This is a Gracie Torrance at oh, Henner okay. and Heron's yeah, yeah. gym. Um, and yeah, basically, with some folding chairs and yeah, stuff. Like... It was a it was a very small event, and it was basically an AOJ showcase. There was a bunch of AOJ guys, and I bet it's some guys that now are like brown and black belts that are on the show uh, that we've covered on the show. I know it's I know it's guys we've covered on the show. I think it was a couple of blue belts from AOJ versus um, some guys that they crushed, and it was Halleck and Gordon. And this was right around when Halleck was trying to basically trying to you know do good faith and pay the guys that he owed a bunch of money to. He actually took a fight in Bellator um, after, I think, right after this or right before this, where he fought Soto or uh, Kato, the guy that knocked out Schilling. Um, he fought him. And it's funny, if you actually look at Halleck's record, like, Halleck is no slouch. Like, Halleck was, he fought in pride, like, he was a pretty good fighter in the era that he fought in, like, many, many years ago. And then you see, again, like we talked about earlier, a guy like Gordon Ryan. This was a couple months after ADCC. Um, I want to say we covered this on, like, the Grappling Rewind episode 3 or something. Like, super early in the Grappling Rewind. And this was when Gordon was the guy. And like, when he's, he's become the guy and, you know, continue to be the guy. But this was, you know... The King versus Halleck Gracie, and everyone going into this knew that Gordon Ryan was going to crush Halleck. Yeah. There was only a, a question of how was he going to do it. And how he did it was very interesting because you see Gordon just sort of messing around with him and messing around with him and doing it and pulling guard and just like going through the motions. Pulling guard, and then like, like, you know, Gordon was definitely dominating and setting the pace, like. You know, he off the bat, you know, it, it'd been a while since I've seen this, so I, I, I rewatched it. And off the bat, I, I completely forgot this. Gordon does a Toriando pass that is like, it's like a drill. Like, it's not a sequence. It's not like a setup. It's not catching him off guard or using an explosive motion or anything. He just steps around and is inside control. And that's more or less like, the last of it so he's he's gordon is going you know uh controlling the back controlling mount going to side control and then repeatedly disengages and stands up not like you know not from like a bridge or anything like that gordon's just like all right cool i'm just gonna like do this again and he stands up stands back passes again gets to mount again just at will at will and it's interesting because I didn't know this until Maine just explained this on me, and I'll let Maine explain it. But I could not initially wrap my head around as to why he was 
taking so long. And I like, man, you want to tell the story? Yeah, uh, I him and Dan had a fucking bet. <laughs> Basically, is my understanding. I think I, I want to say Gordon either talked about it or Dan had talked about it. Um, that he was basically him. He had to beat Halleck by triangle. I think between nine minutes and nine thirty of the match. So he had a thirty second window, almost ten minutes into the match, to beat Halleck by triangle or some variation of triangle. And and that's what he does, and that's how the match finishes. But it gives a meal. And again, if you're listening to this show, um, these are the st- these are the sort of things that are sort of lost to time with these matches. And why I think I love why I love having guys like Zach and and Josh on the show and like other guys on the team that just have different context. Because unless you've watched this match and you remember or you've been told about this stuff, you will you that stuff is lost, and you kind of forget why. Like why did he do? That? Oh right, I would never know that he had a bet with. John, that yeah, he could I beat him in nine thirty by hilarious. by triangle, and that right. makes the match make a lot more sense. And uh, so the finishing sequence was, um, in particular, it was like a reverse triangle, um, and basically Gordon goes to a kind of like mounted triangle, and then goes reverse triangle rolls. And it's interesting because in the version that I uh, that I watched, you could hear Danaher start. Saying you got a you have a Ryan roll, which I didn't know what that was. Like I, I'm curious to like see what exactly that was, but more or less from what I could see, Gordon rolls through in a reverse triangle, rips the arm out, and and finishes that way. Um, but one thing that I totally forgot about this match was the sheer disrespect with the fucking neon face. Oh my god, like. Oh. Gordon was just like, like, just putting his knee on Halleck's face, like, all match long. It was ridiculous. Like riding the knee on face. Yeah. yeah. You also missed the disrespect with the post-fight interview. Uh, I did not. Yeah. See if that. you watch the post-fight interview, it is, um, it's rough, to say the least. I can't do cringe. I can't do any of that. It is, it, it is, uh, it's something special. But wait, with uh, with Hollick or with uh, with both of them? With Gordon, with both of them, it's oh, bad. Oh it's not great with both of them. But yeah, so this was this was definitely like um, just the context, the build up to this match, and like again, it was everyone knew Gordon was gonna win, and so him and John made this bet to make it at least a little bit more interesting with them. Like, okay, I gotta beat him by this time by this thing, and he's still able to do it. And it's uh, when BJJ. Uh, when beef goes wrong. And then I still think just the fighters didn't justice. get paid, by the way. Oh, I, I yeah, still think no, the event I, didn't raise enough money to pay the fighters. No, because I remember by this point, everyone was like, I'm not buying that. Yeah, just and we bought up. it because, again, like we at the Grappling Grind always buy the pay-per-view because like, I'm not going to pirate. I'm not going to... We are not going to do what we do and try to legitimize sort of professional jiu-jitsu and then not buy the pay-per-views if we agree with it, if we don't agree with it. Like... That's sort of not my boat. Um, we buy it. You know, I think you, you, we've bought a bunch of pay-per-views. You bought one. I bought one. We've each bought it. Like, so we bought it. And uh, there was a live chat going on during this match. And I, I'm curious if anyone actually archived that live chat anywhere. Because it was, it was lit. If it's on Facebook, it's automatically archived. I don't think it was Facebook. I think it was a, I think it was a, it was a different stream. I think Josh actually is the one that bought this. And we watched it that way. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a crazy time. And it was, again, one of the first like cards that we covered, like pay-per-view cards we covered at the Grappling Rewind. So it has a special place in my heart for that reason. I'm like, God, are we really going to cover this? Like, yeah, we're going to buy it. We're going to give Halleck money and do this. And it was, you know, and it sort of kicked off that sweet, sweet justice. Yeah. So, uh, I have nothing else to add on that match. Emil, you want to go into the Magnum Opus? We'll go uh, into the, the fucking granddaddy of all jujitsu beatdowns the greatest beatdown in my humble opinion of all jujitsu time this would be helio gracie versus kimura this was prodigious this match is unbelievable i didn't even realize that match footage existed yeah i knew that there was a description of the match and Holy shit, go and watch it. And then go and fucking read about it. And I'm about to tell you about this match because it is unreal 
how, like the build up to this. So but basically, Ma- Masahiro, uh, I give, give me before we just call him Komora the entire time. Um, sure. This is why we call Kom- the the move with the arm where you bend it bad. That's this is the match. This is why we call it a Komora. Is because is. of Masahiro. Mash. I can't say his name. I'm messing it up. Masahiro. Masahiko or Hiro Komora. That's yeah. why. This match is that important that we have an, a move named after this guy. Masahiko Komora. Yep. Yes. Um, it, yeah, just imagine like whooping someone's ass so bad that you have a move named after you, right? Like, so what happened was this was back in the time, this is 1951, and um, the Gracies are fully in their challenging everybody in Brazil mode, right? So they've they've had a bunch of street fights. Um, they have their famous Gracie Challenge. And they're really big on, and I kind of respect them for this, for um, challenging incoming uh, judoka, like ranked and famous judoka. And there's this one particular troupe that Helio starts to get into kind of beef with right so helio has a couple of controversial matches with this dude named kato and and the first match was um basically a draw um kato throws him many helio many many times kato throws helio many many times and according to kato the mats are too soft and you know uh helio is able to hold on to the end of regulation and kato's furious and wants a rematch and Helio doesn't want it until the rest of Kato's crew comes to town. Okay, and so Kimura and a bunch of the other crew come to town, and they are like very highly ranked um, judoka coming to Kimura Brazil. Kimura is a sixth dan in yeah. judo, like a very, a very highly respected, very like very good, prestigious, well known judoka. Like he's not right. some he's not some schmuck. He is legitimately like he's one of the dudes. And he's touring the world, basically putting beatdowns all over the world, just so like people he can showcase it. And uh, yeah, um, so basically Helio wants a piece of that action. And after a, a second match, they're like, first you got to rematch Kato. Helio rematches Kato, ends up choking Kato out of bounds which was against regulation so there's more beef behind this but but helios fans do not care they actually take a casket and start parading it around the streets for like to represent helio like like putting kato down and like you know basically like killing him in the match and uh and so finally kimura is like all right fine this is this disrespect is not going to fucking stand and he, he Kimura agrees to a match with Helio at three 10 minute rounds and this match is colossal I mean like the newspapers are talking about this and and talking this match up yo this match ends Brazilian up being in front of president is at this match along with 20,000 people 20,000 people that's actually now that I think about it that blows any current jujitsu match that we've seen out of the fucking water in terms of attendance. And now that being said, uh, a lot of this story from both sides is super embellished and nah, you will uh, get, I, I fully fucking believe this shit because this shit was reported and there's this, footage you know, this but, is in the fucking newspapers. It was fucking recorded 20,000 motherfucking people. So, this match starts going off, and you should go and read the Wikipedia article on the match because they go through move by move in the rounds. In the first round, I lost track of all of the different throws Kimura hits Helio with. Brutal throws, right? We have fucking Harai Goshi, me and Maine's like favorite fucking throw. Um, you have uh, Ippon Dropseo Inagi, right? Like, that that if you hit one of those that hurts osotogari which i don't even know like like the skill disparity has to be so colossal for multiple osotogaris to be hit it's unfucking real and kimura is just throwing him with the intent of tkoing him just 
throwing Helios so hard, so repeatedly that he fucking TKOs him. And he realizes again that, you know, the mats are just too padded. And so he decides in the second round he's going to switch it up. And so in the second round, he just off the bat. And, and the footage that you can find, I believe, is just the second round. Or uh, it's you just see, part of the second round. Yeah, there's just there's very little footage you can find. There's about two and a half, three minutes of footage around. It's pretty much the same footage. It's reportedly from this second round, the beginning of the second round. So, round two. Another brutal Asotogari. This is where the match footage begins. And Kimura pins. And you... It's one of those, like... I always forget. Because for judo highlights, we always see the throws. But the pins are so excruciating. And you can see at one point here, Kimura has a scarf hold. And he's just, like, ripping Helio's head up. Kind of like Josh Barnett style. Yeah, like Dean uh, Lister Lister versus Josh Barnett. At, yeah. That was at Metamorphs, actually, wasn't it? Yep, it yeah. was at Metamorphs. Metamorphs. Yeah, I forget which one. Um, first time Dean Lister was tapped in like 17 years. Pretty, pretty crazy match. But yeah, it's that same style of the judo style where you don't modify it and go into the arm. It's just of the head, and you're pulling up on the chest and basically trying to crush their chest. Yeah, it looked so excruciating. And finally, uh, Kimura goes to the forearm. Um, around like three minutes in or something like that and rips it into an armbar position. And then he's, he couldn't, Helio was refusing to tap even though there was like multiple pops. And that's when Kimura put it into the iconic position, rips the Kimura and there's just breaks everywhere. And Helio is not tapping. And finally, uh, his corner had to throw the towel in because it was just audible at this point. Like his arm was just completely demolished. Um, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we get the name Kamora for that move. Uh, when keeping it real goes so, so wrong. Um, and yeah, uh, in Kamora's like accounts, um, the crowd was dead fucking silent during this. Because it's in Brazil. Which. Like this has is, this, to be fucking eerie as shit. This happens you know? in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, like yeah. in a stadium. And so this is Helio's in people. front of the president. Yeah. In front of the president. Imagine. And and I forgot to mention this. Helio's buddies brought a casket in before the fucking match to like basically as like shit talking like we're going to put you in here. That's the level of theatrics and shit talking that went into this. And you bring the president. And then you get your arm broke. You get thrown on your head a bunch, and then you get your arm broke. So, extremely iconic match from the 50s. Um, yeah. Again, there's a little bit of match footage. I wish there was more footage. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure if there is more footage. Um, I've never been able to find any more footage of this, and I've looked. Every like year and a half, two years, I look for this footage just because I'm a big fan of, like, I'm a big fan of, like, lost footage of Jiu-Jitsu matches. Um, oh, which is cool because Lovato... Rafael Lovato Jr. Oh, just yes. announced today this was that he yeah. found a bunch of purple brown, a uh, purple and brown belt footage from a bunch of really famous, like Leandro, Bruno Maffesine, like him from back in the day, like old school color belt footage on old hard drives. So look out for that coming through. Um, but it, the, this match is really interesting because of all the context, because like his, the history behind it, because we have a move named after this guy now, but there are wildly different accounts um, of what happened in this match, if you read the version like Kimura talks about and the version that like the Gracies talk about, and it sort of is very telling. And if a lot of the jiu-jitsu prehistory, especially for the Brazilian lineages, um, which is pretty much all of them, which is why we call it Brazilian jiu-jitsu, is very uh, steeped towards the Gracie side. And this is a good match to like look at because it's a Gracie loss. And there are some pretty big and reported different accounts, and you get an, you get an idea of okay, what's I the think, line being spun as? I think there's way more consensus as to what actually happened nowadays. Nowadays, and there's yeah. way more yes. like documented. I mean, I, I imagine like ten, twenty years ago, you know, maybe there was a little bit of like mythology behind it, but now people are like, no, we know what happened, and uh, you can watch the footage now. And there's no question about it. 
and it's a beatdown. There is, n- in no sense, is this a victory for Helio? Yeah. In no sense. So this super... is nothing but a beatdown in front of the president of Brazil and twenty thousand people because he talked shit. End of story. So that is. Uh, By the-, the way, did not did not decide to take up. Uh, Kimura's offer of a rematch in Japan for some reason. Emil, you sound like salty about a 70-year-old match. I'm just saying. So Call a spade a spade. So that is the Grappling Rewind uh, biggest beatdowns in BJJ history, the Mount Rushmore of beatdown, uh, the beatdownist. Um I enjoyed this. Movie. I love. I love watching it. I love watching old, like old footage, and we don't get a chance to do it enough. So I'm, I'm really enjoying this quarantine for that reason. You know, I really do want to go back and find old footage because people have posted old videos that are incredible. I remember a few years ago, someone posted a like an ancient video, like you know, black and white, like no sound of judo moves and it was a fucking baron bolo it was a fucking baron bolo like like from you know probably like the better part of a hundred years ago i think think the footage is like 1920 1921 is i think if i the footage that i saw where it has and it's a it's a not a great baron bolo but it's like a taking the back using the feet yeah it's it's unbelievable to, to go back and watch some of these. I also want to, I'm, I, I need to sit down and actually like, so one time I went to the archives of my university because um, it turned out that Mitsuya Maeda actually went to my university to do a demo match. And this was right before he went to Brazil. And I started reading up on it and um, he's... Uh, Mitsuya Meda was traveling around the United States before he went to Brazil and there, I'm hoping that somewhere there exists match footage of this because it would be incredible but basically he went around challenging like wrestling coaches and like other people to try to show them how good uh, judo was and there was a slim opportunity that Jiu-Jitsu would have been adopted widespread in the United States, and there was a miscommunication. Uh, and I'll go into that story at some point. But there's an alternate timeline where Jiu-Jitsu lands in the United States back in like 1904, and we're all practicing that shit now, like through the century. Um, but old match footage is dope, and we should definitely go back and, and find some of it. So, talking to old match footage, so next week, so that's all I got for our biggest beatdowns in BJJ. The Grappling Rewind takes a look at uh, when ass beaten goes wrong, or goes right, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to get some of the old guys on the team together. Uh, old guys, I mean like Josh, Zach, potentially, and talk about some old school matches, again, that are kind of like predate Emil and I, and honestly, predate Josh and Zach too, but they're going to have more context and, and go through just, again, more really classic old school matches and talk about like more really fun old school shit. Because I'm, again, I'm a huge history guy and we're never going to get another, a better chance to talk about some of the old school and learn some of the old school stories and talk about them because uh, once all this goes away, we're going to be back on the grind of like, you know, 14 matches a week for the Grappling Rewind, so talk about some really fun stuff next week. Emil, do you want to preview any of them or no? No. No, and we'll, we will also leave it open to suggestions, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. if you got you know, suggestions. We, we've gotten some great suggestions on social media. Um, so, oh, yeah, keep getting those. Those are uh, awesome, by the coming. way. I really appreciate those. Those are, those are super helpful. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that match. Or I've got a couple messages on like, hey, have you seen this match? I have. Um, and yeah, we've gotten some really great stuff. Really appreciate you guys sending us stuff. Um, so that's, yeah. You got anything else in mail for this week? No, that's it, man. What do you got going on? Uh, this again, we've been in, what have you been quarantined? This is the, I think we're moving into the fifth week. I've literally lost track of time, man. I don't even know anymore. Yeah. I, it's, uh, it's getting long. So yep. I'm, I'm running. I'm still hating it. My mile time is atrocious. I'm in super bad shape. Dude, after you told me about your, like, 
six minute mile time. I was like, yeah, you know what? That's a good goal. I'm going to, I'm going to like aim for that when I run, I like timed myself on the first mile and I was just like, Oh my God, I wish I had not done that. I'm just it's, so it's rough, fucking dude. It's, it's funny. So <laughs> I have a, there's a guy that, that posted basically, Hey, uh, send me your jujitsu images from like white belt and like how much, you know, you're, you now in better shape. And I went, Oh, that's the opposite for me. Like I'm in far worse shape now that I do jujitsu than when I, cause when I started jujitsu, I was running like, I think one to three miles a day, like usually like five or six days a week. And then I do jujitsu now and I don't do that as much because it's very hard. And so I'm in way worse shape than I was. Like I would, I could easily make like 140 when I started jujitsu, like not easily, but like I could make it, you know, not being able to like cut weight well at all. I didn't know how to do it. Nowadays, like I'm dying to make 140. Like it's a rough week for me to make 140. And so like, yeah, I'm, I'm way fatter than I used to be before I started jujitsu. So I'm looking forward to continuing to get in shape, heal up more injuries and, uh, get back on the mats. You know, once this is all over, I think we're quarantined here in Maryland until the 30th. So we got 17 more days at least. At least. Yeah. At least 17 more days. Uh, yeah, I wish I, I wish I had better news, but like we're gonna look, we're gonna keep doing your content. We're gonna keep you know talking about fun matches, old school stuff. Uh, if you're gonna listen, uh, I love doing the show, and so it's awesome to get together with Emil and the rest of the team every week, every Monday, and just talk about old school matches. If you have matches you would like to hear us talk about, or like a topic you would like to hear us talk about, um, let us know. We are all ears right now because we are sort of in a gulf of just. Um, of like current news and footage. So, you know, we're looking to talk about old school stuff, basically do a bunch of bonus episodes uh, in the interim. If you got questions, you have uh, stuff you want us to watch and break down, let us know. Uh, Anything else, Emil? That's it, man. All right. As always on the show, I'm your host, Maine, joined by co-host. Emil. And we are the Grappling Rewind. We will see you on the mats whenever that is. If you like the show, please consider sharing it on Facebook with the folks at your gym. It's the best way that we grow the show and we really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on email. We also have Instagram. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We have Google+. Plus. Until that shuts down. We have a website. If you have an event you would like to have us cover, please let us know. If you have a name, like most people do, and you'd like to have us stop butchering it, let us know. Reach out to us. The show is also available on YouTube, Spotify, in addition to iTunes and every other podcast service. We very much appreciate your time and thank you.